Our first reading from the prophet Jeremiah. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. But you, dress yourself for work, arise, and say to them everything that I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And I, behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading from 1 Corinthians in the 12th chapter. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecy, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise in honor of the gospel. And our gospel reading from Luke's gospel in the fourth chapter. And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, 
Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. When the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day... He departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. And I invite Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again where you have brought us into your presence as you are here for us, as you promise to be here, as we hear your word, we promise, or we hear your promises of love and life and grace for us. We pray you work by your Spirit. Remove distractions from our hearts and minds. And hold on to us in the grace that you have for us in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Quite some time ago, there was a great movie that came out, Good Will Hunting. Maybe some of you remember it. Maybe some of you have seen it. Some of you haven't. But nonetheless, there's a scene in there that I always think back on and I really appreciate. So if you forget the premise of the movie, Will Hunting is a kid that knows how, mm, has a gift of sorts. He can read just about anything very quickly, comprehend it, remember it with a photographic memory, recall it anytime he needs to recall it, yet he's never been to college. He's never been in any of those educational settings or anything like that. It's just a gift that he's had ever since he was a kid. Learning came easy to him. Knowing things came easy to him. And so this particular scene in the movie, he's at a bar in the middle of a college town and there's a very well-educated student that's there that is challenging this new guy on the block about what he knows, about what he understands. And so this guy that's there is quoting things from particular authors and Will Hunting says, yep, yep, got it. Yep, I've heard that one, I've read that one. No doubt next you're going to quote me this author on this page and this guy and then this author on this page and this guy. But what do you think? What are your words? You've read all those guys. What have you done to process that and come up with your own thoughts? And the guy was kind of speechless. 
Will Hunting had pushed him to a part for him to realize that all he was doing was reciting what other people had said, never really taking the opportunity to say his own thoughts after he worked through all that information. The rabbis of Jesus' day and the Pharisees and the scribes and all those that would teach did something quite similar. See, they knew God's word. It was there for them. They recited it ever since they were a kid and they learned how to say whole sections of Scripture in Hebrew and they could say every word of God's Word. Yet, when it came time to teach, they usually reached back to a commentary, a previous teacher. And that previous teacher had reached back to a previous teacher before them and the cycle continued on. And so any teaching was generally a teaching upon a teaching of a teaching. So there were rarely their own thoughts that were put into things. Now, it's no right or wrong. It's just what the practice was to honor the teachers that had come before and to honor those that had been teaching. And so instead of messing things up, they just passed along a word of the teaching. So when Jesus spoke in that synagogue in Capernaum, having left the synagogues in Nazareth and moved his way down kind of in elevation closer to the lake to Capernaum. And he's teaching again on the Sabbath in the synagogue. He spoke with authority. He spoke unlike any other rabbi or anybody else because Jesus was not reaching back to another commentary or talking about a guy who had taught before on this particular section of Scripture, but he was teaching as though he was the one who wrote it. Well, he was. I mean, he was the author of Scripture. He is the author of Scripture, right? And so Jesus' word there on the page, now coming from his lips as he is teaching people and speaking the words and teaching in a way like no other had ever taught. Jesus, the author of the very word, speaking with authority on that very word. There's something different about it. There was a power to it because he has that authority and so when they heard it they were astounded and then in comes a man claimed by an unclean spirit and this spirit proclaims out ha what have you to do with us jesus of nazareth is human title right you're the holy one of god a divine title even the demons in a very odd sense, we're preaching about Jesus. Because a good word of Jesus, that very word of God, can't be held silent. Now Jesus silences the demons because that preached word would be very off-putting coming from a very confusing source. I mean, imagine some unearthly, odd voice that is not the guy that you know saying this word, it would be off-putting. It would be confusing for the people. And Jesus silences them, even though the word that the guy said, that demon that was speaking through the guy, even though the word was true, it still didn't need to come from that source. But see, God's word needs to be preached. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing, preaching it with authority. Now, I mean, we think in our day and age right now, it's pretty easy to come across people who speak with authority. 
whether or not they actually have it is another question. But there's very many voices out there that will speak as though they are the ones with authority and they are the ones that know what's true and what's not. But see, Jesus is the truth. So His Word had authority and it needed to be preached. That's what you come here for, is to hear a preached Word. Someone has preached that Word to you some long time ago, and then also currently as you set me up here to go into God's Word and bring it back to you and preach it to you. And that Word is for you. That Word was given to you, though, a long time ago. Your baptism. When that Word was placed over you in the water, that promise was made to you in your baptisms, and that Word then continues to be preached. But that word does stuff. I mean, even as Jesus spoke that word to that man that had the unclean spirit, the spirit could do nothing else but listen to that word. And as Jesus left the synagogue still during the Sabbath and heads to Peter's house, there are others there that know of something going on. And so they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, you need to come tend to Peter's mother-in-law. She has a great fever one that is overwhelming for her. We don't know what to do. So Jesus comes in and His Word over Jesus is just, I mean His Word, Jesus' Word over Peter's mother-in-law does exactly the same thing. It has power. It takes care of the fever and gets it gone. restores Peter's mother-in-law to the point to where she is not just now able to rest and receive whatever else is going on, but is up and serving. Jesus' word that has authority, it's preached, and it takes action. It does things. And as the Sabbath had ended and Jesus was then exiting Peter's house, everybody else in town is bringing people to hear that word. They're bringing their loved ones who are sick. They're bringing their loved ones who are ill. They're bringing their loved ones who need to hear this word of God. Exactly what somebody did for you at some point in time. As somebody spoke a word to you and said, you need to hear these words of God. You need to hear this word of love and forgiveness. You need to hear this word. And as that word again was placed on you in your baptism, as God worked through that word to take you out of a grasp of Satan and put you into the grasp of God's grace, that word then changed you. Ever since that day to now, it changes the way you look at things, it changes the way you speak, it changes the way you react to things. Because you're no longer who you were before that day. You're a child of God because of that word for you. And then, that word needed to continue on. As Jesus healed everybody throughout the night and the morning comes and the sun dawns, He goes to a desolate place And the people continued to come around Jesus and said, stay here, stay with us, continue to take care of us. And he said, yes, this word is for you, but it's also for others. For this is why I came, to preach the good news of the kingdom of God to all the towns and villages around. They all need to hear this word. So this word is for you. This word is also for others. The fun part here is that you actually get to carry on that word. 
Like I said before, you called me to this church to be a pastor and preach this word to you. But I don't get to see all the people you do in the middle of the week. Monday through Saturday, you get to be that voice because God has given you authority to speak that very word. I may do it up here publicly in front of everybody, but in all of your relationships, you get to speak that same word of grace and mercy and forgiveness that comes through Christ alone. A word that was written upon your heart. A word that was given to you, not only for you, but also for others. A word that changes things. Now that word, again, has power. A word is sometimes a word that we don't always want to hear. I mean, as we read God's word and we hear God's word for us, Sometimes it's a hard word to hear because it's calling us out on our sin or it's showing us something in our life that need not be part of our life anymore. And that word we may not like to listen to at all. Yet, we can't change God's word or the truth of it. If anything changes, it's us. Because our lives and our hearts have to bend around God's word. His word is the thing that's unshakable. Have you ever had that moment when you've been talking to somebody and you know the words that you want to say and the words are welling up in your mind and then all of a sudden you say them and you realize that those were not the right words to say and you just want to grab them somehow out of the air and pull them back because you don't want them to land in the ears of the hearer. Yet, too late. You all know the power of words. Our words, whether sinful or graceful, they have effect on somebody. In Christ's words, even more so. See, there are words that we can say that can certainly hurt. Yet there's a word from God that we can speak that may not want to be heard at first. Yet as that word calls us out on our sin and that word then calls us to repentance, there's such a beautiful word of forgiveness that we hear from God through what Christ has done on our behalf as He lived and died and rose again, not just to show us a good way, but then to take care of everything needful for us into salvation. As He dies in our place to take our sin upon His shoulders and then hands over to us his righteousness. And he says, all this I've done for you. And there's nothing that you have done that earns it. There's nothing that you do to take any part of it. He did it all. And then hands it over to you as a free and gracious gift to you. A word with authority that must be preached that absolutely has power and takes action and changes who we are, and then that word continues on for you and for others. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us in Jesus. We pray, Lord, that as our days come and go, as we see of your love for us in Christ, that we would be shaped by that word knowing that you have loved us fully in Jesus and that you put us into the lives of others that also need to hear your word. We pray that you give us the courage to speak it, even when it may seem risky or dangerous, we pray, Lord, that you continue to liven our hearts by your Spirit.
and ground us ever in the grace that you have for us in Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen. I invite you to rise.